welcome to the first episode of Reviews I Would Text You. I'm your host, Tiffany, and in this episode, I'm going to talk about Stephen King's novel, The Outsider, and why I didn't like it. There will definitely be plot spoilers, so if you're interested in experiencing the book spoiler-free, then you should go do that and then come back. I've got some interesting flaws to point out. I'm going to start off with a plot summary. The Outsider begins with an 11-year-old boy named Frankie Peterson who was found brutally murdered. He wasn't just murdered, there were other sick things that were done to him. The prime suspect is Terry Maitland, one of the main characters, who is an English teacher and Frankie's Little League baseball coach. Several eyewitnesses who already knew Terry say that they saw him around the scene of the crime. For example, they saw him interacting with Frankie when he was last seen alive, and they saw blood on him after he came out of the woods where the murder was committed. However, it turns out that Terry has a pretty solid alibi. At the time of the murder, he was at a writer's conference in a nearby town. He was captured on security cameras there, went with other English teachers, and he was broadcasted asking a question to the author at the conference. The thing is, the police find his DNA at the scene of the crime and still hold strong on the position that Terry is the murderer. But, spoiler, they are dealing with an actual supernatural shape-shifting monster who likes to kill children and frame others while doing so. The shapeshifter is later tracked down by a group of people including the friends and family of Terry. I'm going to break the book down into roughly two halves. The first half revolves around resolving the issue with Terry's alibi. The second half is dealing with the actual supernatural monster. And I want to include a bit of a disclaimer. The last time I read this book was actually a year ago, so I may not remember all the details in perfect clarity, but I do remember my emotions about this book well. I will look up quotes and such, but I wanted to talk about it now because I still clearly recall that this was a book that was very irritating for me to read. I remember ranting to my friends every few pages or so and taking screenshots with quotes so I could talk about them. I don't think I've ever gone that negatively passionate about a book before, so I guess that's one thing this book can do well. I had high expectations for this book because of Stephen King's reputation. I've only read one other book of his, but I've watched several of his movies and I am aware of his general reputation in the horror community, hence the high expectations. Although he may be the king of horror novels, I think that this might actually come as a disadvantage for him, because he must be in a comfortable position in life that he can sacrifice quality for quantity. If he slaps his name on a book, it will probably be published and read by his many fans. I don't think that King is a bad writer by any means, I just think that maybe his more recent work in storytelling has become stale, but these are my assumptions, I haven't read enough of his recent work to know for sure. Perhaps he's getting too comfortable with using certain plots, monsters, and cliches, and the times that we live in have outgrown these things. I would expect that to happen to someone who has been writing horror since the 60s. My first real critique is that this book was really boring. I had a difficult time trying to get through it. In terms of horror, I don't think this book did anything new, partly because of how oversaturated the horror genre has become with ideas, many of them that Stephen King probably introduced himself. Or it could have been that there are so many horrible things that happen in the world that I've just become desensitized when reading fiction. I'm familiar with doppelgangers and shapeshifters. I'm sure I have a few doppelgangers of my own running around, and I would like to meet them. I guess it sounds crazy to say, but I'm also familiar with monsters and urban legends who eat children as well, since there are certainly pervasive folklore and fairy tales in popular media. The Witch in Hansel and Gretel, for instance. 
I also heard there is a movie retelling of the story, starring Sophia Lillis, who actually played young Beverly Marsh in the newer It movies. Okay, moving on. I can identify two ways that this book tries to bring horror. The first way is with the monster and the gruesome killing. As a reader, we're supposed to be chilled or shocked by the fact that an 11-year-old boy has been murdered. Or when the monster who did it is revealed to be supernatural, we should be scared that something like that exists in the book's world. I don't think that this first way of bringing about horror was properly developed in the book because all I remember reading is most of the details about the horrible state in which Frankie was found, but I barely know anything personal about him that would make me feel connected and evoke sympathy. I also think that King was unoriginal in the description of the death and just glossing over it for the purpose of creating an inciting plot driver. Some of the details of how the boy was found felt like they were just there for shock factor, which I think King is no stranger to since, at least to me, it seems that he is willing to write about uncomfortable topics. There was no delicate touch put into crafting this part, but sure, you can say that Frankie's character or his death wasn't too important since he doesn't really play a part in the second half of the book. The second way of inducing horror in the reader would be for us to be horrified by the fact that Terry, an innocent man, is being framed for something disgusting which he didn't do, but it's ruining his life and reputation. We would be horrified by the fact that he has no knowledge in the first half of the book about the supernatural creature and is left so confused as to why he is being framed and how that could possibly even happen. I could see that if I had been in Terry's position, then 100% I would be horrified that something like that were happening to me. I would also be horrified if I heard about a young boy being murdered like Frankie did, but I didn't feel these things when reading the book. There is some sort of disconnect between me and the book and I didn't feel immersed in the story. I felt like an outsider, if you will. I partially think this is because I'm supposed to sympathize or relate to this protagonist, Terry, who I assume is a white middle-aged man who likes baseball and working with children. He's a generic father and a husband. It's all very generic. Since I am a young Asian female, this perspective didn't interest me. I don't think King developed this character past this point to be something special or original. I can see why he wouldn't if he had a bigger mystery in the story that he wanted to get to, but I think he had the space for it and even tried to develop the character, albeit ineffectively, in these police interview breakaway chapters that are a storytelling device. The interview chapters were used to drive the point home that there was no doubt that the witnesses saw Terry, or someone who looked exactly like Terry, involved with the murder. He ineffectively develops Terry's reputation and relationships with these witnesses by having the witnesses sprinkle in things like, oh yeah, I know Terry, they lived on whatever street, has a wife and two daughters, or, and a quote said in disbelief by the character Riley Franklin, quote, I can't believe it, he coached my son in Little League, end quote. These are things we already know. These are so surface level. Is it fair to ask for some more details? I don't think character development is necessary in a story like this, or for a character like Terry, since his problem is caused by something else and not him. Terry doesn't have any obvious flaws that he has to overcome as a character. I just think that it would have made me care a little more about him, such as hearing more personal interactions between the witnesses and Terry that would demonstrate Terry's reputation just completely falling apart in their eyes. But again, 
I can actually excuse the lack of character development because, and another higher level spoiler here, Terry is shot and killed later and the focus switches to his wife, Marcy, and how she deals with the monster. Anyway, my point is, when you have a generic, boring horror story, I think that's when you should be spicing it up with good characters which I care about and would be scared for. I thought The Outsider lacked good characters, including the monster character, so they failed in the two ways to induce fear for me. The next critique that I have, and this could be personal opinion, I found Marcy to be such an unenjoyable character. I have a higher level of sympathy for Terry than I do for Marcy, and that's not saying much. Marcy struck me as fake nice, and I guess somewhat hot-headed and irrational. For instance, here's a quote from when the detectives are searching the Maitland's house, and Marcy is being interviewed by a pregnant detective. Quote, Marcy opened her mouth, and what almost came out was, I hope your baby dies. Instead of that, she said, it's nice that someone's feeling better, even for 15 minutes. End quote. Whoa, that's so uncalled for, and I certainly am no stranger to being mean. Marcy herself has two daughters, so it's just insane to me that she would even think to wish that onto someone. The detective was literally just doing her job and trying to find out if Marcy's husband brutally murdered that boy, but it peeves me that she's fake nice about it. I think it actually would have been better for her to have said, I hope your baby dies out loud, because that would have increased drama and shown that she was extremely distraught. The problem with her unlikability is that she's not supposed to be unlikable. She's the wife of the protagonist, and later on she takes on a bigger role. It's not that your main characters can't be unlikable, but I truly don't think King meant for her to be seen that way. But again, maybe some people liked her character, and I'm nitpicking on little things, so I digress. Something else that I found was weird was how they had to introduce a character from another series in order to resolve the story, despite not having any mention of a connection between the outsider to Mr. Mercedes. They introduced Holly Gibney from the Mr. Mercedes series, which I actually read five years ago. That was my first intro to King's books, and I wouldn't say that one was bad at all, but I was a teen at the time, so maybe the story was a little more scandalous and shocking to me. Now that I think about it, the main character, Bill Hodges, was pretty bland and unoriginal too. He was a retired and toughened police detective, and it was just the first time that I had read a character like him, so it didn't seem unoriginal at the time. Anyway, I'm about to say a spoiler about Mr. Mercedes. King introduced Holly in The Outsider to help deal with a supernatural monster because Mr. Mercedes had a supernatural monster too, which is introduced right at the end of that book. I didn't read the rest of the series, but I'm aware of some of the plot points. I just feel like this is lazy writing to suddenly have this character that's already established and developed in another series to bridge the plot in The Outsider. There was nothing on the cover that said you had to read that previous series, and you don't even actually have to, because he explains who she is briefly. If Holly can be explained as fast as a new character with similar traits and abilities could be introduced, what makes her special? Why do you need to steal or copy and paste a character from your other books if this is an unrelated book and not a sequel? To me, it seems like Holly was only there to serve a purpose for the plot. Her character is the one who eases them into some knowledge about the supernatural world, and it seems a bit random to me. Was including Holly an afterthought after having written the first half? Was it so that King could do less writing because maybe introducing a new character would actually take longer? I did see a reviewer comment on Goodreads about how she liked the Holly character and wanted more books with her, so maybe she's a fan favorite. 
I also read somewhere that she's getting her own series of novellas called If It Bleeds. This seems really random to me and almost like a cash grab, as I think The Outsider is as well. I feel like King is one of those people who can do cash grabs really well because people just respect him anyway, so it won't seem like a cash grab. Since King has written so many characters, this seems like a cash grab to me because I don't think he cares too much about Holly. Not to hate on Holly though, I do think she's markedly different compared to King's other characters that I've read about in that she's almost obtrusively nervous and shy. Personally, I can relate to that, and I remember being pleasantly surprised when King described her character for the first time in Mr. Mercedes. However, I don't think a spin-off series with her is something I'm interested in. Okay, I'm on to the last thing that I want to talk about. It's the most obvious and painful flaw for me in the book. First, I want to read a little passage for you guys that illustrates the point I'm talking about. The character Zerni says, quote, Well, that was a plan, but as it turned out, I never even wet a line. I went out just after sunrise to what they called the Iron Bridge, you know, out on Old Forge Road, end quote. Wilberforce, the character he's talking to, says, quote, Yes, sir, end quote. Zerni says, quote, it's a great place to catch catfish. Many people don't like to fish for them because they're ugly, not to mention that they'll bite you sometimes while you're trying to get the hook out of them. But my wife fries them up with salt and lemon juice, and they taste pretty damn good. The lemon's a secret, you know. And you have to use an iron skillet, what my ma used to call a spider. End quote. Can you guess what context this dialogue was from? It sounds like a casual conversation, right? Well, Zerni is actually going in for a police interview to answer questions because he reported an abandoned Subaru with bloody clothes inside to the police. Zerni knows that the reason he's in this interview is because the car may be connected to the horrific thing that happened to Frankie. I'm sitting here in disbelief that this man is rambling about how to cook a catfish, even if it sounds delicious. I've never been interviewed by detectives, but I expect that the interviewee would go in with a no-nonsense, no-fluff attitude, especially when you know it's connected to a murder. I expect that maybe the interviewees are a bit shaken, at least. This is far from the only example of casual rambling, which would have been more realistic if it had been nervous rambling. So many of the interviewees and witnesses rambled and went off-topic. I'll read you another one. The character Ritz says as he's describing how he stumbled upon Frankie's body while walking his dog Dave, quote, By six, Dave is ready to take care of his business. Number one and number two, I mean. I walk him while Sandy, my wife, does up the dishes. It's a fair division of labor. A fair division of labor is very important in a marriage, especially after the children have grown up. That's the way we look at it. I'm rambling, aren't I? End quote. So even Mr. Ritz can identify that he's rambling. Another example is in an interview with Claude Bolton, who has gone into trouble with the law before and knows the detective, but the vibe his interview gave was also extremely casual. I understand that you can have one really relaxed character who rambles, but multiple? It becomes unrealistic. I can't help but feel that King has built a fantasy or relies heavily on these really casual witness interview tropes that you might see on TV sometimes. Not only that, all of the characters sounded like the same character, with the only difference being that King gave them different names. I guess that's what happens with throwaway one-dimensional characters that I imagine are created by Stephen King writing on autopilot. 
So I've read reviews of people liking the book and those who didn't. It appears pretty divided. I wasn't someone who enjoyed it. I've glanced over comments saying how it's an exact copy of another story, but I don't know how true that is. This was rated 3.99 out of 5 on Goodreads and was a winner of the Goodreads Choice Awards 2018 in the Mystery and Thriller category, but I kind of thought that this book was mediocre. I'm wondering if this didn't have King's name on it, would it have not been as successful? But also, would I be as critical about this book if I had thought someone else wrote it? Because I think I normally enjoy reading books. Also, there is an HBO miniseries based on this book that was released in January of this year, 2020. I really wonder what the HBO series is like. I actually think that it will be good because HBO has some really high quality productions and when you have people acting things out, it's a lot more immersive and you can clearly see if something is unrealistic rather than having to picture it in your head when writing. That's about all I have to say. I just wrote my ideas down about this book that I could remember and I put them in a script so I hope I didn't make too many mistakes while talking about the book. I hope you enjoyed this episode and thank you for listening.